All right, all right. Welcome back, everybody, to the Rolex Whiskey Passion Project. We've got another exciting guest on here who uh, started off with some Instagram banter, and then we actually met in person, shared the passion of whiskey in Indiana. Um, so with no more ado, I'd like to welcome the lovely Jessica. Jessica, welcome to the Rolex Whiskey Passion Project. Tell us everything about you in a few short sentences, and then we'll have fun. Just kidding. <laughs> All right, ready go. I am going to say that you are a lot cooler in person than I thought you were going to be. So there's that. <laughs> oh, thank goodness. <laughs> I am Jessica Ann. Um, you can find me on all the handles at Bourbon Insider. So I born and raised in Kentucky, and I've been in the bourbon industry since 2017. I don't know how long that makes that now. So started out doing bourbon tours for Pegasus Distilled, custom bourbon tours for clients. Um, then I moved to uh, working with Fred Minnick as his boss, just kidding, his executive assistant. Um, <laughs> and now I work with a French-based company called H&A Barrel Management, and I sell used barrels. So used wine barrels, cognac, sherry, Salterne, port, take those barrels and sell them into the, um, the whiskey world or spirits world. So Jess, let's go back to 2017 Pegasus. The whiskey, yeah. like the, the thing hasn't happened yet. It hasn't just, it's about to happen, right? Like it's, it's starting to happen. Boom, yeah. When I say like, yeah, it's starting, but like you're, when you first get on, the, get on in the service, it's like, it's kind of, a, you have a temporary moment of, oh, um, and then it's like, oh shit. Like what's going down in 2017? What does the bourbon trail even look like? You know, do, is anybody like really doing it other than like a couple of distilleries or is there already a good handful in 2017? Yeah. So 2017, when I started, um, I was a social worker at a hospital. I was doing discharge planning. And so Derby happened and I worked a brother bourbon hood event, just like bartending and making name tags and that kind of thing. So it was with a group of whiskey lovers. They were already here, the Bourbon Brotherhood. And Pegasus was just starting. Back in the day, it was called Copper Soul Tours. And they were giving away like a gift basket. And I'm like, ooh, a bourbon tour. And so I had drank a bunch of Jim Beam in high school with my family. And too much Jim Beam, did not know how to drink appropriately, was sick for two days and could not even smell whiskey at that point for years. Like I did not drink at all until I was 25 again, just because I- But I, I guess a, a question to you on that, like for so someone growing up over there and like whiskey, I mean, obviously there's a lot of whiskey being made there, but like, it's not a thing, right? No. You know, like, like it's not a thing. It, it, it didn't become a thing until it became a thing. I mean, that seems but, to be like a common trend. It was like, you know, you told me like, yeah, like, you know, like Maker's Mark was like the high end and Jim Beam was the everyday drinker. And, you know, you had like a Buffalo Trace here and there, but like we didn't drink it. So that's pretty co That was pretty common, right? Growing up. Honestly, I'm going to go on a limb and say it's pretty common for Kentucky still. Like we have all of these distilleries, 90% of the world's bourbon and people just don't go on the trail. They don't. It's a lot to do with religion and that kind of thing. Um, once I started working in whiskey, I had a lot of people who were like a lot of friends who didn't want to be my friend anymore because they're like your your priorities are different. You're you know you're the 
you're doing the devil's work, essentially. You're helping alcoholism. You're promoting this. Um, it's just like wasn't really accepted because we are in the Bible Belt kind of thing. You know, when everybody's That's drinking. Right. Yep. yep. Okay, that makes sense. That makes yeah. Sense. So we're in the Bible Belt. Um, the town that I grew up in is Camelsville, Kentucky. It, honestly, it wasn't until with the last like three years that you could even buy alcohol there. So when I started doing bourbon tours in 2017, I actually wanted to work for Angels Envy. I had met Wes Henderson, um, Merle's Whiskey Kitchen, which is like a restaurant here. I think Tyler Childers was playing that night there back in the day. And Wes had come and I knew who he was just because, you know, I had a lot of friends who liked whiskey and he just was like handing out like Angels Envy to everyone. And he handed me a glass and I couldn't like be disrespectful and not drink it, even though like the thought of whiskey like wanted to make me vomit. Um, I drank it. I had a great time. I actually wanted to work for Angels Envy. There wasn't a distillery then. So Angels did not have a distillery. They they weren't on Main Street then. Um, and so I like had my alert set for anything bourbon. And I'm like, how do you how would how would one go about working in bourbon? Um, and that's when the tour company that I had wanted to do a tour with had a posting for like a bourbon tour coordinator. And so I had just applied to that thinking it was going to be a part time thing. Um, and so I started working with Eddie Fieldhouse. Um, he's the one who hired me and he's gone on now to do some really amazing things with tourism. Um, we can talk about that in a bit. But yeah, he it was just him like Wild Turkey didn't have a ticketing system, which Wild Turkey still really doesn't. Um, all these people were just starting, like, to get ticketing yeah, systems. So, like, where, where, yeah. where, where are you taking people on a tour at this point? Like, it's Jim Beam. It's probably Heaven Hill, yeah. maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Four so it's, yeah, the first year I was there, we, you know, you do your main ones. You do your Whitford Reserve, um, Buffalo Trace, even though Buffalo Trace wasn't on that quote bourbon trail. Buffalo Trace, Woodford, Four Roses, Wild Turkey, did a lot of Maker's Mark, a lot of stops at Heaven Hill. They didn't have like the big tour experience they have now. They had some like tasting and whatnot. Yeah, and we did Jim Beam. It was just like your big, you know, your big guys, your legacy distilleries that we were doing. But after, I'm going to say a year of doing that, it just started exploding. Like I did over 100,000 people on custom tours. We were doing 35 tours a week, and each of those tours would have like two to 35 people. You know, it was everybody like, I want to go on a bourbon tour for this or that or this or that. Oh, and- they 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 started coming in fast and furious. I mean, I oh, remember like doing my first barrel pick, and there was like nobody around, and then there was like a million people around. Yeah. So so now so now you're doing this, and I'm I'm assuming just judged on the personality and the time I spent with you, you realize. You, you, you're a friendly person. So you start becoming and making friends in the industry pretty quickly, I would imagine. Okay. Yes. I was not on any kind of social media at the time. Like I had an Instagram. No, no, no. Yeah. Yeah. So I started making friends, like people that I was working with. So like Sylvia Holden, I'm going to bring her up. She at the time was in charge. It's a Weller's visitor experience. We were all like low people on the totem pole. And now. Which, what was that like? What's it? What was the Stitzel? What was that experience like? Because, you know. Obviously, yes. that's not around anymore. It like, is actually around. That. It is. Yeah. So, it's just oh, well, no, I didn't know. Yeah. They, they don't have a distillery there. So, it's very much history. So, you can see like where the old Sitzel Weller used to be. It's right outside of Louisville. It's like one of my favorite spots for the historical. I like really, I really love Sitzel Weller. 
But now Sylvia is a single barrel coordinator for Heaven Hill. She's in charge of all the single barrels. And so then you have um, just everybody that's kind of like worked their way up back in the day started in doing tourism. They were giving tours. They were working in the gift shop. And yeah, so I went to every event. So, I, so, so you're now, I, I'm assuming you your palate is back to whiskey because you're probably getting to... You're probably getting to see stuff that's pretty cool behind the scenes. Like if you're going to Four Roses and your t- group's doing a tour, you know, you're you're hanging around, walking with them. But then like because you're seeing these people so many times, they're like, oh, here's a little something for you. And you know, like try honestly, I didn't go on the tours. I was like back end. I was like responsible for like the day up when a group would oversleep and they're 15 minutes late. I'm like, you can't fucking be 15 minutes late. Like it ruins the whole day. So I'm like trying to scramble to buy new tickets and stuff. I was very much just logistics back end. I did go a little bit on tours, but yeah, the distilleries liked me because we gave them a lot of money. We bought a lot of tickets. We listened to like their feedback and what they needed and just trying to like work with the distilleries to create some kind of not be so chaotic. So, so when is the first time you drink something that you're like, holy shit, that's not the normal run of the mill? Are you talking about like vintages and stuff? Yeah, but like even just something outside the box, not a core whiskey. Like when's the first time you're like, wow, there's there's more to this than what than what the normal person's eye will see? Kevin, that is such a loaded question. They, I have drank thousands, <laughs> thousands and thousands of whiskeys, um, vintage whiskeys, whiskeys from the barrel, whiskey. Like, I don't know. Well, I, I mean, there's got to be a point. There's got to be a point where you're now you're in this community. You're in, and, yeah. and it's you know you're still there's a community, and you're like, you know, you went through the whole Jim Beam and how you know basically just didn't drink whiskey until you're 25, and then what's you, you, know, you try Angel's Envy and you're like, cool, that's cool. Like, what, like, give me a progression of like a couple of cool things you drank early on. Not what you're drinking now. I feel like you're at a yeah. different level now. But like early on, what was like a holy shit moment? On it, okay. So the first whiskey that I really could drink that that my palate that didn't make me want to instantly gag was Larceny. Honestly, oh. I yeah, I loved Larceny. That was like my gateway whiskey. And then after I did the tourism thing for like two to three years and I started working for Fred Minnick. Um, and I will say that probably is when my world of whiskey exploded because at the time I was, he had an app that he was doing with Bardstown Bourbon Company and it was like his mm-hmm. no longer a thing. It was, it never really got published. Um, but the app was all of his tasting notes ever. And so I was going through all of his tasting notes and like entering into the system and then as I was like entering his tasting notes, I would start trying whiskeys. And so that was when I was introduced to, I mean, honestly, mellow corn for the first time shocked me because I'm like, oh, this can't be good. It was great. No, um, no. The name like a turnoff. And then you drink it. You're like, whoa, like they yeah. have shitty, na- shitty naming. It's great. Whiskey. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's like a $13 bottle and Fred's tasting note at the time was like, you know, for a corn whiskey, this is this is right. This is all right. And I'm like, what? Um, I drink a lot of shit whiskey too. A lot of like, yes. like people who are. Well, I gotta imagine that he gets. I gotta imagine he gets bombarded with shit whiskey too. Just yeah. <laughs> attempt to put his name on it. You know, I'm shit whiskey as in like the rapid aging. You know, that was back in that time. Um, I yeah, it, my- it really wasn't. I mean, right. And as far as vintage and aging, I mean, it was happening, but they weren't really putting it out there. It was more like 
it just was there, right? Right. I mean, it wasn't right. like I wasn't. I mean, you, you know, you 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 see these um, you see these like old. Oh my God, I can't even think from from Heaven Hill these old like Elijah Craig twenties that nobody really wanted. Yeah, now, like the eighteens and the twenties were like eh, and then now they're like whoa. You know, like early Mixtures 20s, like Four Roses would never even go over, what, like 11 years. They're like, there's no point. Like, let's just get it out there. You know, no one was doing that, as opposed to how the world is now. Right. right. How long were you with with Fred for? I was with Fred two years, I guess. And and like you were saying, you're you're getting a lot of whiskey, right? At Fred. Um, There's a lot of whiskey happening. There's a lot of whiskey, overwhelming. And honestly, to the point where I wasn't even drinking, like, at all. People would come into the office and, like, geek out, like, oh, and I'm like, ugh. You know, like, now I realize what I had. Now I realize. Yeah, and I'm like, oh, damn. But the first whiskey that I loved when I worked with Fred was at mid Midwinter's Night Dram by High West. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So that was, like, ooh, I just remember which being... i mean what they're they're out in utah mm-hmm. yeah yeah, yeah. so for so for the kentucky folks it's like wait other people make whiskey or is it like okay cool there's another there's another state that's making it like what well, how right. does that work you're like oh you know yeah. at the time that was mgp source and it was yes. delicious yes. but they were finishing import barrels and i i went out and bought a package of fig newtons because that's what it said to pair it with and then i put it in one of fred's tastings but that was the one of the times that I just can remember being like, it got me. That whiskey got me. But at the time, 2017, going back to that, Weller used to be at Walgreens. And then I remember yeah. it was around, it was at 2017, they were like, limit one per person. And I'm like, what are we limiting whiskey? Like, what, when did this happen? <laughs> well, it was one per person and everybody was like freaking out. And I'm like, this is, this is weird. And then, I mean, you're talking about 2017 where you you probably aren't seeing pappies on the shelf. That, that's already happened. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's still like when the B-Tacks come in, there's still a good amount of those. Like that's about to like never happen again. Obviously, like you're saying, the Whalers, like even the Blantons, you know, like that was just like normal stuff. It was everywhere. It was dumped every day. You know, like who cares? We've got plenty of it. Yeah. I mean, why are they allocating? Oh, I didn't know the word allocating, but... There were like taped up signs, like one per person, and I mean, this is what? So, oh, then, and, then, and then let's touch on the world on 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 that amazing word of allocated, because now you you know fast forward to twenty twenty three, you know you growing up there when you would walk into a store there would be a large selection of more expensive whiskey that people would be like I don't understand why somebody would pay eighty dollars for that when you can buy perfectly good whiskey for forty bucks. Mm-hmm. And then that 80 turned into like 200, which turned into thousands. And then you never saw it, you know, in the current state of business. Like, how is that for you looking at that being in the business going like, what's going on over here? Why are they paying so much? Or is it just like, okay, good, good for that brand? I think whiskey is reasonably priced. I feel, especially when you're doing like craft or small brands, they're, you know, they're putting so much into the bottles and then it's in the juice and the labels um mm-hmm. and then the the up the upcharge happens on the distri- distribution side Behind. so yeah in the secondary market and that kind of thing and you know it is what it is yeah it is what it is i mean i always actually I, I talk a lot about this 
Yeah. I was like, Peerless was, okay. So I was working at the time I used to do all this like little side work, like giving out samples of this or that for this, you know, this company. And I was at Fort Knox's base and Caleb Kilburn and two of the girls were there with him from Peerless. And we were like side by side and he had asked me if I wanted to try Peerless. And I'm like, that's actually really good. Like I knew they were in Louisville. We sent a couple tours there but, and I like kind of knew Kayla, but I went to go look at it on the shelf and it was like $125. It's actually went down in price since, you know, they first launched. And I mm-hmm. was like, fuck that. Like, this is really good whiskey. I'm glad I got to try it. But that's just like, r- like un- insanely priced. But I get it. You know, I get why they're like, we're in local, we're this, we're that. The bottle is the heaviest bottle on the market, you know, blah, 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 blah. And so I did, I didn't buy it that day. You know, I have some now, but I remember being like, hello, now that's crazy. Like, we're not, we're not paying that for whiskey, but here we are. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, here we are all day long. Okay. So now let's creep up that you're with Fred, you see a bunch of stuff and then you get done with Fred. And did you go, the company you're with right now, was that straight out Fred or was it somebody? Yeah. Yeah. I'm never done with Fred. Fred is one of my favorite humans in the entire world. Yeah. Um, Fred, yeah. <laughs> no, the Fred thing, it was COVID. It was this, but actually before COVID, I was working for Fred. I was in the office and he had gotten contacted by a recruiter and he told me, um, there's a job that I think you should apply for. They have amazing benefits. They, you would be like essentially like taking care of clients and taking them out and this and that. And it's like right up your alley. And I'm like, are you trying to fire me? I mean, he was like, no, it's just a really good opportunity for you. Um, I see how hard you work you know, with your kids and that that could give you insurance. It could give you benefits, like things I can't provide as like a solo provider at the time. So I applied in January of 2020, which ended up being this H&A barrel management. It's a barrel leasing company. So I get on, I'm like reading about it and I'm like, I'm not finding this. I don't even know what this is. And he's like, no, you don't see you how I see you. Go ahead and apply. And then COVID happened and I got hired July 1st of 2020. So I interviewed from January to July. I probably had like 12 interviews for this company. In that capacity, you're now, I mean, you you weren't like barrel finishes was not in your repertoire yet or you just had kind of tasted it and saw what it could be like. Um, yeah. So the Midwinter's Night Dram and of course, Angel's Envy. That's what, you know, the barrel yep. finishes I've had. So yeah, I'm a Kentucky girl with a Kentucky palette, very much whiskey. And then I've got launched into this wine company. I can't even pronounce like still to this day, like great varietals or this or that. Or I'm having to learn different barrel sizes and, and like French cooperages and wines and regions and how that impacts whiskey. So I'm almost three years in. It'll be three years in July. And I'm still, it's it's still a lot. To and you've got to travel. You, you've been traveling a lot for them. I mean, they, yeah. you know, you've, you've done some cool stuff. Now, yeah, you know, you and, I hung out at, and you and I got to hang out at Christian's place where, you know, he's mm-hmm. finishing a lot of his whiskey in these barrels, like, which to me is so exciting because, you know, obviously that, you know, I, I, it excites me when people do different things with whiskey. But good whiskey, of course. Like, that's got to be the underlying thing. And obviously, this whole barrel finishing and stuff has become a big business now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Christian Huber of Starlight Distillery is one of my favorite humans in the entire world. They all are. He is definitely my muse. He he is. He loves all cooperages. He loves all finishes. He very much 
like knows the history and the wood and the whiskey. And so I go out there all the time to, you know, try some of the barrels that I have out there, but also just to like listen to him educate me. So he's been, he's been huge as far as like introducing me to casks, like the Ebronic cask or ice wine cask that I don't have. And I probably will not take it up on myself to source, but I'm still like a geek in the fact that I'm like, ooh, what does this taste like? What does it smell like? What does this do to whiskey? Yeah. I mean, after, you know, for me, who spent, who had seen some pretty cool behind the scenes stuff in the world of whiskey, thanks to, you know, good old Instagram, and then going to him and kind of just like, I woke, I left him that day and I'm like, bro, like everyone else is freaking blockbuster. You guys are Netflix. Like you're doing something here so special. You, Blake, your dad, that's just next level. And you're just, you're embracing it with so much excitement. Like it's not like, I, I said to them, I remember the first time we chatted, I'm like, I don't feel like you guys are running a business. Like, I feel like you guys are just having fun. Like, you're right. literally just like, hey, cool, what are we going to do today? Like, let's have some fun. You know, like, there's no, like, pressure of work when right. I hang out there. It's more like, hey, you know, we're just doing cool stuff. So now, in the and you've, there's other brands you hang out with as well. Who's on your radar these days as like up and coming? Ooh, up and coming. You know, this is very hard for me because I feel like if it's in Kentucky, I have a grant on it. But when it when you come, like there's so many places just popping off and just doing the most things that you don't even hear of or know of. So if I go outside of Kentucky, um, you know, I haven't been out there to see them, but Jesse Parker at Distillers Way in Washington. He hmm. he reminds he reminds me a lot of Christian Huber, um, as far as like really passionate and really knowledgeable and wanting to like use good stuff and make good products. Um, um, I'm to think about that. I mean, there's a lot of people I don't want to miss out. What I mean, no, 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 no. I don't want. That's not the point to put you on the. Spot. Like, why didn't you mention me? Okay, let's let <laughs> let's go. Let's go back to like. Uh, let's give me a couple of crazy experiences that you walked out of and be like, holy shit. Crazy in what you way? You have to mention the brand. Like, the, well, you, well, you went to a, a tasting and they busted out like whiskeys from 1940 or you went to a dinner and they did like an insane flight that was just like, it just kept on developing and developing like course after course. I don't know. It's something you just walked away and went like, holy shit. Yeah. Um, okay. So I would say the first time that happened to me would be at um, the Bourbon in Time event or Scotch in Time. That was the first time that I was able to like walk into Bardstown Bourbon Company and we pop open vintage bottles and all these, you know, Instagram people that have gotten together were bringing these crazy ass bottles. Um, so that was the first time, obviously, Old Carter's 27 year, like being able to try that a couple of times has been life changing. I go outside the whiskey and you're world. pretty close, and you're and you're pretty uh, you're pretty close with the with the barters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're some of my yeah some of my best friends. Love them. Love what they're doing. Love their product. They are amazing. And when I went to Portugal, because you know we have a lot of port seasoning barrels and that kind of thing, I went to go visit our our port wineries, and there was um, some port that was over a hundred years old that I got to drink. So I thought that was really cool. Yeah, I, I tried something in Vegas at, oh, uh, Last Drop had a port that was like 150 years old, old or something. It was nuts. I'm just, yeah. I geek out on like, 
Imagine that person like 150 years ago putting the stuff in the barrel. No cell phone, no Instagram, no email. Like just doing their job, you know? Like I still hear stories from distilleries where they're like, you know, that people have been working there for north of 20 years. I mean, north of 20 years is like pretty much pre-cell phone. And they're like, oh my God, like we would just leave on a Friday and they would like give us, you know, a couple of pints of booze to go home with. Because they're like, they're like nobody really, you know, like we're making it, but like, hey, take this. They're like, now we're like, Oh shit, we were drinking like really some of like the coolest stuff, especially like in the older days, all the, you know, the distillers walking around the the rick houses and tasting the barrels. Right. Like, knowing where the hidden spots were and where the special stuff was and stuff that would probably never ever make it to market because there just wasn't enough of it. Mm-hmm. But like so amazing that they're like, oh, I mean, that's, you know, Christian has, you know, he's laying down more and more barrels. I'm like, dude, like in 15, 20 years, we're going to walk through these these Rick has and be like, holy shit. Like, oh, I remember this one. Remember I put it in? Like, you know, especially with the barrel finishes, it's going to be nuts. Yeah. Yeah, he's got a lot of crazy stuff over there. I've been I mean, spoiled. one more experience. One more yeah. I mean, I, I'd say the same. Yeah, let me have a second. I think I'm like on the spot here. Um. Okay. What, what, listen, I don't see you leaving the whiskey business. You seem like you're pretty... I- you're enjoying it. Would you say it, it 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 makes your heart full and your passion and everything's in there? Absolutely. I um am, I'm will always be here. Um, I am going to school part time on this side to do massage therapy. That is not to ever leave the whiskey industry. That was just like you know, in order for me not to be burnt out because you know I live with a guy who owns a cooperage, so it's all day every day barrels, bourbon, barrels, bourbon, whiskey. And I love it because it is my life. Like I'm married to the game. I don't have a, like a life outside of whiskey to say. So last year I was kind of getting like burnt out in a sense, just because sometimes it does get overwhelming to try to keep up with everything that's going on and everything that's growing and all these new, like, you know, contract distilleries and this and that, that I like needed something. So I was like, oh, I'll just go to massage therapy school for a year. Um, so I'm doing that and it's a little overwhelming. And yeah, still love whiskey. I'm still going to be here. No. Oh, I will. I think you're a very big part. Yeah. yeah. Go. I have another experience here. Um, so I was with Zach, my boyfriend, um, and he had at, oh my gosh me like stumpies so we were at stumpies and zach had a while ago i forgot how long ago it was had given um adam stumpy a eight-year seasoned wave stave barrel so it's like the barrel the staves that have like grooves in it so it gets more wood contact but it was mm-hmm. seasoned eight years so stumpy or adam when we go out there, he's like, I want you to try this. And we tried it side by side with another one of his barrels. So it was like the eight-year season wood and then just like a regular barrel. And the difference of that was so like mind-blowing. Like it was just such a difference having like the wave stave. So like that to me was a, a oh. big milk cue to see like, oh my God, I know like each of these barrels are from the same producer, the same whiskey, the same place in the rick house. And just having like that grew on a, on a stave made the biggest impact and flavor. So I, and I'm like never going to be able to try an eight year season stave ever again, because like we don't have, like nobody has age wood right now because the demand's so high. Oh, no one's going to take the time to yeah. do that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So that to me was like, oh, that's, I mean, great. 
No, I, I love that. I mean, I was talking to someone the other day and I was like, you know, sometimes you, you, you taste something and it's like eating food out of a cast iron skillet. And sometimes it's like tasting it out of a stainless, like a nonstick skillet. Like the whiskey just is non-viscous. It's got nothing to it. It's aged, but like, eh, you know, and then you yeah. taste that one that's like that, like that season. You're like, oh my God, what did they do different? They're like, really? It's the barrel that did the work. The barrel did all the work. The whiskey is what it was, you know, like it's great whiskey in there. But this is that barrel just like adding its character to it. Right. Right. It's it's fascinating. I'm like, I wish I could like put a tag on each barrel from each forest to be like, okay, which barrel's doing what? Yeah. I mean, take take note of what Fred was doing with the tasting notes for Bardstown. And maybe you do the same with the barrels and the drinks and all that kind of stuff. Well, hey. I've had so much fun having you on today. I can't appreciate, I can't say, I can't appreciate, I can't say thank you enough for like really taking the time and kind of geeking out a little bit with me and sharing. Obviously it's, you know, I'm trying to really involve people who are true, passionate about whiskey and there's no doubt about it. You fit the profile a thousand times. So I really just, I can't thank you enough for taking the time today and spending some time with me here. I am so happy to spend time with you. Thank you. Thank you.